yes, turn me up. Like I said this morning, man, I'm from Texas. If it ain't loud enough, I'll talk louder. Okay, um, I'm back with the announcements again. I want to say on heart to heart, I did not mention this morning that we need to sign up for that so we'll know who's going, who's not. It's. See? What did I say? I, who said that? I'm from Texas. <laughs> Prime timers. There's a list on the desk, like always. They're going over here to Romans, correct? Okay. Um, so if you want to go, they just, you don't have to sign up for the van because it's not going to go, but they kind of like to know how you're going to come so they can make room for you. So if you're going, please sign up so somebody will have an idea. And then that way if you get over and get lost, we'll know who to come look for. Yeah. Okay. May the 30th. Oh, wow, that's good now. May the 30th. May the 20th at 8.30 is Men's Fellowship. Breakfast in the Fellowship Hall. May the 6th is uh, Men's Bible Study in the Fellowship Hall. Those are both at 8.30 in the morning. Those are both Saturdays. Um. We still need singers and a drummer. When I was young, I tried out in music class for the drums, and my music teacher said, you need to find something besides music to go into. <laughs> so I went into oil field work. <laughs> so anyhow, so I'm not the drummer, but if there's anybody out there who wants to play the drums, we'll be tickled to death and let you get up here behind us and little play. Um, prime timers, no. Sit prime timers, but I want to talk about heart to heart, and I abdicate to Robin on that. Okay, she didn't, she didn't give you the date and time, but I will. May 16th at 6 o'clock, um, back in the fellowship hall. Uh, we still need singers and drummer. I mentioned that. We have two spots for youth camp, two male and one female spot. If you would like to sign up for that or sign your kids up for that, hey, it's five or six days that you get by yourself. So, just think about it. It costs you to send them to camp, but you get to be by yourself. Okay. Uh, we have filled up all the slots that we needed volunteer for Children's Church, but we could always use more volunteers for Children's Church, more volunteers for the media room, more volunteers for the security desk, more volunteers for the youth. So if you have anything at all that you think you want to do or you're called to do, we've got a spot for you. And we would be tickled to death for somebody else to volunteer, to be honest with you. Um, so I want to remind you again, after service, don't leave. We're having a vote. We're voting on a pastor, Brother Joseph, and his wife, lovely wife, and their three great kids. They've got two daughters and a son. And he can eat with the best of us. 
So that, that makes him good. That's what we do best around here. We had a great time this morning, uh, this afternoon, fellowshipping and answering questions and talking and eating. And so uh, if everybody had a great time, I hope they did. But we're here tonight to praise and worship the uh, Lord. And while we're here, we're going to go ahead and do this again. This way we don't have to break in the service to take the offering. Guys, you're here. All right. Good. All right. Lord, we just thank you, Heavenly Father, for this day, for us gathering. Lord, we know that you always show up. And Lord, we just pray that we are ready with our hearts and that we would walk in your will, Heavenly Father, and that we would seek your wisdom in all of our decisions. As we prepare to worship you, Lord, we're going to worship you in our tithe and our offering. And Lord, we ask you to bless it to your service, to your church, to your people, and to your work, Heavenly Father. And that it will all go for the glory of God. In Christ's precious name, amen. start worship. Father, we just thank you this evening. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence in this house, God. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, Lord, for what you have for us, God. Have your way in this service, Father, and everything that comes about during this service, Lord. Father, let it be all about you, God all about you, Father. That is why we're here to praise your holy name tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. There you are. Yes. When I close my eyes, I can see your glory. When I raise my hands, I can touch your face. When I bow my knees, I stand before you and Christ is formed in me. Thank you. 
But until we invite him in, we have to open up our hearts and let our guards down. Remove all expectations and just let him have his way. Father, you are welcome in our hearts, God. You are welcome, God. Father, I just want to move out of the way so you can do whatever it is that you want to do, God.
praise tonight. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you, worship team. Give it up for your worship team. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to, to be with like-minded people serving the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, and then we're going to flip over to Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4 is what we will be reading tonight. I'm going to talk to you about the power of prayer tonight. If you would, stand with me for the reading of the word, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, he said, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now flip over to Luke chapter 11. Verses 2 through 4, it says, Now it came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place. It means he already had a place that he prayed all the time. And when he stopped, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Dearly Father, Lord, we just thank you for tonight. Holy Ghost. Come into this place. Come into our hearts and minds, our ears. Open our ears to hear your word tonight. Lord, that you may anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, that I may preach clear and effective what you so desire. Lord, we desire nothing less than your perfect will. Lord Jesus, Holy Ghost, lead us tonight. We thank you. We bind every attack of the enemy. Lord, that we would know exactly what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. Lord, anything that would cause a division, Lord, anything that would cause strife, Lord, anything that would hinder what you so desire, we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. As I said earlier, I'm going to talk to you about the power of prayer. Jesus said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. He didn't say a house of preaching. He didn't say a house of praise. He didn't say a house of singing. He said a house of prayer. Prayer is the key to it all. Prayer is the currency of heaven. It is why every believer must live a life of prayer, must be a man or a woman of prayer because 
Number one, that's how we speak to God. Prayer is so powerful. I'm going to go through four ways of what, what prayer does in our lives. But all, well, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, we read that there are angels in heaven with bowls full of incense, which is the prayers of the saints. And there's a question that I ask is that, are we filling the bowl? In your life, are you filling that bowl? Every one of us will answer to God. Every one of us stands on our own two feet. There's, you can't get on anyone else's coattail or skirt tail. You're going to stand on your own two feet before the King of Kings, and we're going to answer for everything that we do in this life. And when we read this passage, this is a very important thing. There's probably nowhere else in Scripture that you see the disciples ask such an important question. They didn't ask. They saw Jesus preach. They saw Jesus heal people. They saw Jesus cast out devils. They saw Jesus do all these things. But what they asked, teach us to pray. Teach us to to pray, not how to pray, but to pray. They saw that when Jesus prayed, something happened. They knew that when he was in his zone, where he often got, that that's what I want. I want exactly whatever he's doing. What Jesus, what are you doing? Teach me how to pray, because whenever you pray, that's when things begin to shake and happen. See, one thing we can know tonight is that the church is never more like the New Testament church than when it prays. When the church prays, we become the New Testament church. Leonard Ravenhill is one of my favorite authors, and he said, a sinning man will stop praying, and a praying man will stop sinning. The first thing we come to, that uh, the power of prayer, is prayer changes this world. Prayer changes this world. It, it changes things. When I was in uh, Bible college, it was one of my first years there. You could go into the library there, and they had a desk from P.C. Nelson. P.C. Nelson was one of the founders of Southwestern Assemblies. And there was a sign that he hung up actually on his door, but they had it sitting on his table. And it said, prayer changes things. That's what he believed. Prayer changes things. We must believe that. We have to believe that. And 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it gives us the, the formula of the healing of a nation. It said, if my people, not the world, he said my people, that's you and I tonight. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, not the world humble themselves, we must humble ourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, not the world's wicked ways, the, our wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and then I will heal their land. See, we want everybody else to do it, but many times we don't want to do it. But prayer in and of itself not just, just changes uh, 
Well, we're going to get to that, but it changes this world. We must believe it. If we will humble ourselves as a church, you know, we read all through Scripture, judgment begins here first. It starts with us. If we can't handle it, it might as well pack up and go home because it starts with us first. If it can't happen here, it'll never spread anywhere else. And he tells us in this passage, if we will humble ourselves, then he will hear us, he will forgive us, and he will heal our land. That means he's, he's healing our country. He's healing this world if we will humble ourselves and pray to seek his face. In Numbers chapter 14, verses 11, 12, and, and 20, God pronounced severe destruction upon Israel with, when he was with Moses because of their rebellion. Yet after Moses' intercession, it was, it was an incredible announcement that God made to Moses. He said, I have pardoned them according to your word. That's what God said to Moses. He said, I'll forgive this nation, I'll forgive all my people at your word. Because he was willing to intercede. In a different situation, God wanted to pardon and forgive a, a group of people, but he couldn't. In Ezekiel chapter 22, you read where he said God tried to find somebody that would stand in the gap, somebody that would pray, but he could not find one. This is what it says. It says, and I searched for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for this land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one, no one. Thus I have poured out my indignation on them, and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their way I have brought upon their head, declares the Lord. Prayer, that's why prayer is so important. Prayer doesn't just change Things. It changes this world. When Jonah was told to go to Nineveh and preach, he didn't want to do it. God was trying to spare a nation, yet one man that was God was trying to send, he wouldn't listen. And finally, when he was in distress, he began to pray. It's sad that we get to a point in our lives that it must be a distress before we pray. These passages make it clear that God involves himself in the affairs of man. It, it, it tells us that when humans pray, that he listens and that he, he gets involved if we will pray. Amen. Jesus spoke of heaven meeting earth because he said when he, when he told the disciples in, in Matthew 6.10, he says that thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, he was telling the disciples, this is what you pray, that, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means heaven's already doing what it's supposed to. That means we're not doing what we're supposed to. But when we pray, things change. Jesus revealed that God's ordained purpose of prayer is connecting heaven and earth. And it, is, it allows God to marry the two making his plans, his purposes, a, really a reality in the hearts of people. That when we pray, heaven and earth meets. Things begin to change. The, the word intercession means paga. 
It actually means a meeting. Intercession means a meeting or to meet with. See, this is the purpose of prayer and intercession. It is to create a meeting with the God of the universe. It is to meet him and humble ourselves, to seek his face, to know what he desires in our life. It isn't by what we think or what when we think we can fly on. It is to listen to what God has to say. And if we will humble ourselves, we will know what he has to say. See, if we miss the God of meetings, we miss the God of the Bible. God met with Adam in the cool of the day to commune with him. He met with Ad or Abraham in order to make a covenant with him to become his friend and to make him a father of many nations. He met with David on the hills of Bethlehem to make him a lion, a bear, a giant killer, and ultimately to give him the qualities of a king. He met with Mary to make her the mother of Jesus. He met with the sick and the diseased to heal their bodies, and he met with the twelve to call them his apostles. He met with the 120, and he filled them with the Holy Ghost. God is a God of meeting if we will intercede and put our faces on this floor and seek his face. We will meet with God, and God will heal our land. He'll heal our city. He'll heal this world if we will pray. Everything changes when people meet with God. We meet with people that we don't like. We have work meetings, teacher meetings, teacher and parent conferences. We will go to things that we don't like, but yet when it comes to meeting God, we'll make up every excuse. Because the prayer meeting is the most abused ministry of almost any church. We've forsaken everything, but the, we, we will forsake the prayer meeting first. You call a prayer meeting, everybody runs. You call a prayer meeting, there is no service. Because prayer changes things, and it changes us. I'm jumping ahead, but prayer is power, and we must know that prayer changes this world. The greatest prize of intercession is that people meet Jesus as Lord and Savior. Yeah. Hallelujah. If we will pray, people will be saved. Amen. The disciples saw it in Jesus. That's why they asked him this question. Teach us to pray. See, it's a wonderful thing when we see God get a hold of men. But it's a, something even greater when we see a man get a hold of God. Prayer changes this world. Number two, prayer changes the church. Prayer changes the church. When the church prays, it will have revival. When the church prays, you'll have a move of God. His presence and the rivers of living water will flow freely if we pray. When the Holy Ghost fell upon this earth to be poured out, it was because 120 people were in a prayer meeting. They weren't preaching. They weren't praising. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do and to pray and seek his face. And when they obeyed, Jesus and the Holy Spirit came down and filled every one of them. That gave them the power to reach this world. And 12 men turned this world upside down. What would God do if he could get a hold of his church? 
prayer changes the church. The church is never more, like I said, it's never more like the New Testament church than when it prays. We read about it in the book of Acts and all the great wonders that the church did. It's because they were men and women of prayer. When we pray, division stops. When we pray, fighting stops, complaining stops, murmuring stops. All problems begin to cease because we give up the control of it. We put God at the head of it, and we begin to just seek what God desires. It's not what you and I desire. It's what he desires for us. You know, if, if we believe what he said, he'll lead us if we pray. When we pray, the Holy Spirit begins to flow. People are saved. People are filled with the Holy Spirit. People are healed. But it only happens when people pray. We cannot expect God to move and God to do things in our lives if we will not sacrifice for it. You'll sacrifice your time 60, 80 hours, maybe 40, 50 hours a week to go make money. And you'll sacrifice your time so that your provisions are, are met, your needs are met. But when it comes to the church, we tend to let loose and let the prayer meeting go. But when we pray, the church will be changed. Because God desires to change his church. The third thing prayer does is prayer changes others. So it changes the world, it changes the church, and it changes others. It changes people. When I was in college, there was a, I was a freshman at the time, and a man by the name of Chris Haggard, he was a friend of mine, he lived in my hall. He, was a, he played on the football team, he was in practice, season hadn't started yet, and I was sitting with a group of friends in, in the, the TV lounge, we were just playing games, having fun, and I saw him walk in the doors, he was on crutches, and I saw one of my other friends go up to him and talk. And I was sitting there talking. I kept looking back up, down, kind of kind of watching them. My friend came and opened the door. He said, hey, Joseph, can you come in here? Can you come over here? I, I just felt led of the Lord to come get you and pray. I said, well, let's do it. Hallelujah. So I go out there, and he broke his kneecap right down the middle. I said, season's over. That, that was the last down you ever played in football. And so... I said, well, we believe in, a God, in, a, in divine healing. Let's pray. I sat there and said a one-minute prayer. God, you are the great physician. Lord, I give him the most sound sleep he's ever had tonight and operate on him. Lord, you, you are that great physician. You can operate in his sleep. Lord, let him get up completely healed in Jesus' name. That, that's it. You ain't got to scream it. You ain't got to shake him. You ain't got to do anything. You just got to believe. Well, a couple days go by. I got classes. I was working at the time. I, I was busy. I come. I'm sitting and coming back in the lobby, and one, here he come walking up. Didn't have no crutches. I said, I already knew what he was about to say. He said, Well, guess what happened? Well, I can already tell you what happened. He said, Lord healed me. He said that night. He said after I I left that lobby. He said I went up to my room. I got in my room, and he said. Uh, boy, I started just getting sleepy. He said, man, I, got, I, got, I took, on, took some melatonin or something. <laughs> he said, I, I put my crutches down. I crawled up in bed. He said, I slept all night long. He said, I didn't move. I didn't move an inch. He said, 
All of a sudden, my alarm went off, and he thought, oh, I am late for class. And, and there in college, you, you could set your bed, like, midways, low. You could set it up real high, like, like bunk beds. Well, he, he had it set kind of high. Well, he turned around and jumped right off, <laughs> landed on his knees. And he said, man, I started trying to get, get ready. And he thought, wait a minute. <laughs> and boy, he began to stomp around. He began to shout and jump because the Lord healed him that night. Now, here's the deal. That's a wonderful testimony. That's a wonderful testimony. But, but I say that story because, now, would God have healed him regardless? Or did he heal him because of my prayer? So did my prayer reach God to heal his knee, or would God have done it anyway? See, we all understand that God is sovereign and all-powerful, but, but does the fact that he is sovereign mean that he operates independently from us? No. He operates with us. This is what's incredible. It is as, as incredible as it sounds. A sovereign God made a sovereign choice to limit himself in so many ways and in situations to the actions, to the decisions, and to the requests of human beings. Just like you can walk outside and find a water spout and turn it on, that water will begin to flow. You can turn it off. That's how God operates. He limits himself waiting for us to come turn on the faucet. So the water begins to flow. But it's up to us whether we turn that on or not. See, his plan is to work on this earth with and through us. If, if, he, if it wasn't the point of praying, there'd, there'd be no point of us being here. God's going to do what he wants to do. There ain't no point of preaching. There's no point of none of this. But he limit himself to use each and every one of us. There was a little boy, since some of you are, are aware of Southwestern, I'll tell you this story. There was a little boy that was sick. And he just kept getting sick, began to have seizures. Didn't, the parents didn't know what was going on. School didn't know what was going on. And so they, they took him to doctors and they said, your son's just dying. He's, he's done. There's nothing we can do. And so they come home, and, and his mother begins to pray and seek the Lord. And she tells her family, you know what, I'm going to cook for you. I'm going to do all this, but I'm going to fast every supper until my son is healed. For over a year, she fasted and prayed for her son's healing. As he began to keep getting worse, and yet she got the church people, everyone around her, she knew to pray. Well, some people after a year, some people, well, you know, she's just going up there for prayer. Yep, don't give up. There's a few that still got up with her. And it was on a Wednesday night, midweek service, that the Holy Ghost spoke to her. said, tonight's his night. Take him up to the front, and I'll heal him. And she took him up to the front. And on a Wednesday night, God healed her boy. Well, that young man, was, his brother went on to graduate from Southwestern. And you may know him, know him as John Hagee. But John Hagee's mother fasted and prayed for over a year. 
See, a lot of times we just want instant gratification. We want instant answers. But it takes time. But prayer will change others' lives if we pray. Jesus said to pray for your enemies, to bless them. Don't curse them. Pray for them. Bless them. Why? Because it changes others. It can change their heart. Last point that prayer does is prayer changes me. The power of prayer is that it changes me and you. We used to sing a song, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me. Not someone else. Me. I'm the one that has pride. I'm the one that has, has unforgiveness. I'm the one... <laughs> Because we want to point at everyone else. Just like the tax collector and the Pharisee. I'm glad I ain't that guy. Yet the tax collector beating on his chest. Lord, forgive me for I'm a sinner. Prayer changes me. As children used to play the game, Red Rover, Red Rover. You'd be swinging, and people would try to run and break through that barrier. Many times our life, our prayer life, is like this. We will pray, and we will pray, and we'll get to the point where we're going across. And just as, lo- just as we're about to break, break through, we stop. And every time we come to break through, we stop and go back. Uh, go back down the mountain. But if we pray, it changes us. And if we keep praying, there'll be a day that we break through. And we'll have the breakthrough in our life. We have to to ask ourselves, are are we willing to fight and have the breakthrough in our life? We're too many times we're so close to the breakthrough and we just give up. Because we don't want to wait. It's easy. It's easy to get up and leave. But what does his word tell us? Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait upon the Lord will wait in line to get a coffee drink or to get a fast food for 20, 30 minutes, but we can't be in the altar for five minutes. We have to check out our own groceries nowadays at Walmart. And you'll spend more time checking your groceries out than you do the prayer time. What I'm trying to get at and tell you, friends, brothers and sisters, I love you and I want to tell you the truth. That every one of us must become a man and a woman of prayer. If you want the victory in your life, if you want the victory in this church, if you want the victory in this city, it will not happen without prayer. It will not happen without prayer. You can't preach it. You can't sing it. There ain't nothing you can do. But when you pray, it will begin to change. Minds and hearts begin to change. Because when we pray, it doesn't twist God's arm. It transforms us. When we pray, it changes in how I know him. When you pray, it changes your relationship with him. In John 3.30, he said, he must increase, 
and I must decrease. That when we pray, he will increase in your life and you, that flesh, will decrease. I said it this morning. The greatest thing that the Holy Ghost is trying to do in us is to make us like Jesus. And we do that through prayer. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 89, I'm not reading it. Is you read the story of Mary and Martha. And Martha is upset because Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she tells Jesus, Jesus, get her to come in here and, and clean and help. And Jesus tells her, no, she has chosen the right thing. See, it is more important to commune with Jesus than it is to serve him. It is more important to talk to Jesus than it is to serve him. Martha was serving him. Mary was <laughs> listening to him. She was communing with him. Many times we give up because we think service is greater. Even, even the word tells us obedience is greater than sacrifice. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says that Moses spoke to the Lord face to face as a man speaks to his friends. If we pray, it changes our relationship with the Lord. If he talked to Moses that way, he will talk to you and I that way. When we pray, it changes our faith and our trust in him. In Jude 20, verse uh, verse. Jude 20 and 21, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ until eternal life. We build ourselves up. It increases our faith when we pray. All you married couples, go, go all this week, don't talk to your spouse. <laughs> go a month and don't talk to your spouse. How do you think that's going to work? What, your relationship begins to, a little bit of rifts, a little bit of issues, a little bit of fighting, a little bit of arguing all of a sudden. What's wrong with you? Why? Because relationships don't work that way. Yet we treat God the same way. We will go months without praying. We will go weeks or days without praying. We'll do anything and everything else yet, yet pray. When we pray, it changes my patience. When we pray, it changes our strength. It's, as I said earlier, those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. When, well, even now, when Nehemiah, I, I love holding my kids. I love, one of the greatest things in my life is walking through the door and my kids running to me. And there was a time where Nehemiah done played outside. He done, all afternoon done got sweaty, stinky. And I was holding me. And he fell asleep. This is when he was a little bit younger. But I sat there and held him for, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. And I, he finally woke up, and I let him down, he went on about his business. And I got up, and I, be, I was doing other things. And I began to smell my son's scent on me. 
And <laughs> I thought, well, I'm going to probably have to change. I'm going to, you know, I, I just, I smell him. But the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me. He said, just like you still love that smell. He said, I love the smell when my children come and get in my presence. It don't matter what they've been doing. It doesn't matter the sin or the faults they've been doing. He said, what matters is when my children come into my presence, he said, I will hold them. I will, I will get, guide them and lead them and strengthen them. When the woman with the alabaster jar, she broke it and she poured it on the feet of Jesus before his crucifixion. I'm sure when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he could still smell that oil on his feet, realizing who he's dying for. Jesus on the cross was thinking about every one of us. That when we pray, it changes that relationship that we have with him. And when we do, he turns and pours out his presence. He pours out his spirit upon us. When I was in college, there was a friend of mine. I was sweet mates with him. Or we shared a bathroom, so we had dorm. There was a dorm and a bathroom in between us. One day I was coming back from class. And I hear something going on in my, my room. I said, what in the world is going on? So I, I opened it up, and my friend, he was in there praying because I, I would have an iPod playing just with worship. And I, I spent a lot of time praying, seeking the Lord. And I said, his name was Andre. I said, Andre, what are you doing in here, man? He said, man, I'm sorry. He said, but there's such a freedom and liberty in here to pray. He said, there's something about this room that is different than my room. I said, well, brother, go ahead and pray on. <laughs> but it began to teach me something. That the time that we spend in prayer, even when we're gone, there's others that will feel that presence simply because we were willing to sacrifice. We were willing to spend the time. We were willing to do what someone else was not willing to do. Now, that's not to pat my back. I, I don't tell you that story. The only reason I tell you that story is because prayer changes us. And when I even found out one of my friends, it was humbling to know that he would spend his time in my room to pray and seek God. That he felt enough liberty to pray in my room. It, it helped me know that I was doing something right. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Prayer changes us if we pray. Actually, I, I left it in the car, but let me tell you one more story. This is a story about my grandfather. He's done passed and crossed the Jordan. But he, when he was unsaved, he was alcoholic. He was dying and going to hell. And my father was one of the first ones saved out of our family. Well, he, him and my grandmother were the first ones saved. He got called to the ministry at 17, 18 years old. And they began to fast and pray. They fasted and prayed for two years for my grandfather to be saved. And one night they was having a revival services and, and they took a, we used to do prayer cloths and they anointed a little prayer cloth. And they prayed over that prayer cloth. They said, put that under his mattress, put it under his pillowcase, and we're going to pray for his salvation. Well, it was during a uh, two-week, I believe it was a two-week fast and praying that my father was doing for my grandfather. And my grandfather, at that time, he worked third shift. So 
he was going in when everybody else was leaving kind of a thing. And he would almost, most times, try to drink himself to sleep. Well, he got home, and he began to, couldn't sleep. Kept drinking, couldn't sleep. Kept tossing and turning. Finally, man, something wrong with this mattress. He flipped the mattress. Began to flip things. Boy, he's shaking everything. This is, something is wrong with this mattress because I cannot sleep. Something is keeping me awake. And he's about that time, that little piece of cloth fell down. What is that? He reached down and picked it up. He asked him, what is this? Well, that's a prayer cloth, Daddy. Because I'm praying for you. I don't want you to die and go to hell. For over 40 years, my grandfather carried that prayer cloth. Because prayer doesn't just change this world. It changes the church because that man turned and saved souls his whole life. I didn't know, hardly know a man that, pray, that read the word more than my grandfather. And yet he turned around and his grandson is preaching this gospel. Let me tell you, friends, prayer doesn't just change this world. It changes the church, it changes others, and it changes us if we will pray. Things change when people pray. People that know their God are people that pray. Worship team, if you would, go ahead and come. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory. Come on, folks. Let's just begin to pray. Lord, we praise you and thank you, Lord. We glorify your name. Lord, there is power in your prayer. There's power when we seek your face. Lord, help us to know your will and, and what you desire in our lives tonight. Go ahead and stand with me. Worship team's coming. They're going to start playing here in a second. Hallelujah. 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 If you would, I, I would I'd like to ask everybody just go ahead and come on up to the altars. If you want, you can cut the Facebook feed. We're just going to spend some time in prayer, ladies and gentlemen. If we want the will of God, we've got to pray. If we want to know what God has to say, we've got to spend some time in prayer. Lord, we welcome you in this place. Lord, Holy Ghost, begin to speak to our hearts. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah, 